Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Thursday evening, where we continue our reflections into the gospel that we will hear on Sunday. This upcoming Sunday, we really do have the privilege to reflect upon this great solemnity, Corpus Christi, of course, translated the body of Christ. And the gospel that is tied to that is a gospel that we have talked about a great deal because it's so important to us as faithful Christians and Catholics, and that gospel is Mark uh, chapter 14, uh, verses 22 to 26, and we actually get some additional verses to that uh, this evening. So I'm really excited to get into those verses, to reflect with those all-important verses, and I will do so with uh, Debbie Rosales. Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me. So Debbie, before we get into that gospel, reading from Mark chapter 14. I did want to speak briefly to uh, the solemnity of Corpus Christi in its origins and what it teaches us about our devotion to the Eucharist. What do I mean? Well, the history itself. If we go back into the early 13th century, we see that this is a feast day that really originated in Belgium. Uh, Benedictine monasteries there were the first to adopt it as a feast and as a solemnity and really gave rise to a new devotion to the Eucharist. And it was in 1264 that Pope Urban IV extended this feast day, this great solemnity of Corpus Christi, to the whole world. Uh, It would appear, uh, at least on one level, that Urban IV would have been influenced by the Eucharistic miracle of Bolsena, the Eucharistic miracle in Bolsena comes to us in Bolsena, Italy, in 1263, when a consecrated host began to bleed onto a corporal. The corporal is the small cloth upon which the, the host and chalice rest during uh, the canon of the Mass. Uh, today, the corporal of Bolsena is preserved in a, a reliquary at Orvieto in the cathedral there. Uh, what's interesting, if you were to actually look at the corporal, the reddish spots on the cloth at close observation, show the profile of a face that certainly that has a look that would represent uh, Jesus Christ. So this is believed to have some influence on Urban IV, but there's something else about this, Debbie, that strikes me. This is the first solemnity that is not an event in the life of Christ per se, Christmas, Easter, but a truth of our faith. Huh? And so the question that begs to be asked is, why does a truth need to be recognized as a solemnity? This is the first time this happens, as late as the early 13th century. Well, as the Benedictines would remind us, there seemed to be a complacency setting in on devotion to the Eucharist. Uh, and when you start talking about complacency and you get into the doctors of the church, that is a very dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the word itself, a complacere, uh, literally means to uh, be pleased with oneself, oh. uh, to be satisfied. Mm. Mm, that's not a good thing. Little pride. Yes, huh? that's not a good thing <laughs> in the Christian journey. So 
Uh, this is why the church in the 13th century recognized the importance to renew uh, devotion to the Holy Eucharist. Uh, there's those great words that come to us from the Baptist, in your midst stands someone you do not know. Okay, those are words that I, I think unfortunately were beginning to seep in and through many churches during that time, many Catholics simply becoming complacent with the great gift of the Eucharist. And again, I bring this up now, Debbie, because in 2015, mm -hmm. we have to be on guard against just not our complacency with life in general, but first and foremost, our complacency with the great gift that is given to us in the Eucharist. Every single time we go to Mass, we should echo those, those words of the Baptist. What does he say? Why is it that you come to me? I mean, these are words that we should be saying, Lord, why is it that you come to me? Those are words that come from a, a heart of humility. Mm -hmm. And certainly, this is what Corpus Christi is all about. Uh, one priest, Father Kent of the Mesa, I was reading him, Debbie, and he made the point, this feast day, above all else, should be a feast day where we begin to once again recollect and wonder, wonder was a key word to him, wonder at the gift of the Eucharist. So important. That's a beautiful want to wonder, to ponder. Mm -hmm. You know, do we kind of just go to Mass to check off the box, or are we pondering the incredible event, the incredible gift that is about to transpire on the altar. Mm -hmm. I've heard it said once, and I don't remember who it was, that if even if Catholics really understood the miracle that occurs mm -hmm. at every Holy Mass, we couldn't have enough Masses in the day. It would mm -mm. be so packed. Mm -mm. We wouldn't have to be saying, yes, kids, we have to go to church. Yes. We'd be yes. saying, oh my goodness, I want to go to church every day. Mm -hmm. I want this gift, this miracle in my life every day. But sadly, I guess we don't wonder or ponder enough, possibly. No, and there we turn our gaze to Mary, Debbie, uh, where she um, was left pondering. You know, she was pondering these things in her, in her heart, heart when mm -hmm. she found our Lord in, in the temple after she lost him for three days. And uh, he says to her, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? And she was made to ponder. The Greek there is a wonderful and fascinating word. It means to weigh and to measure, to balance and count, counterbalance. It's really a word that at its essence is, is discernment. Mm -hmm. You know, she was discerning. The word discern literally means to, to come to understand. She was discerning, coming to understand the greatness of this moment, the greatness of uh, who her son is, you know, the son of God, and of course her own calling to be the mother of God. And so this weighing, measuring, balancing, counterbalancing, this is what we need to be doing. Yes. You know, one of Satan's great traps is to get us busy. Because as long as we stay busy, we're going to stop what? Pondering, mm -hmm. discerning, praying. contemplating, recollecting, reflecting, mm -hmm. praying, all of it. Yep. You know? What did you do today? Oh, gosh, I had so much to do. Yes. You know, Debbie, we could ask the question, how are things going? Mm -hmm. how, are, how are things going, mm -hmm. Debbie? How are things going, Joe? And our response is busy. Busy. But, but does that speak to who we are? Mm -hmm. 
or what we're doing. And what does it mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be busy? Mm-hmm. No, no, Joe. No, Debbie. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> How are things going? Everyone's busy, mm-hmm. right? Where's your heart? Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to spend time with God today? Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe we need to be more explicit in our yeah. questions. Right, right. <laughs> Pending your relationship, I think it's about time we start doing that. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to spend time with God today? Because if you did... And if we spend more time with God, Debbie, then certainly, yes, our churches would be more full and our faith would be enlivened. Mm -hmm. Now, as I speak to this, it always starts with self, right? So we don't judge what other people are not doing. We speak to the importance of challenging ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what lies at the heart of this great feast day, that we take ownership of our devotion to the Eucharist because there is the epicenter of where all greatness starts. If we have a devotion to the Eucharist, if we have a living relationship with Jesus Christ that flows naturally out from that devotion to the Eucharist, we will transform the world. Oh, the fire the fire could never be quenched. No, absolutely not. So this is why this feast day is so important and why the church puts it Um, where it does, Mm -hmm. you know, on the heels of Pentecost Mm -hmm. and and Trinity Sunday, how beautiful. And to speak of Corpus Christi, I think it's also important, Debbie, to speak of adoration. Mm -hmm. You know, there has been an explosion in adoration over the last seven to 10 years. Thank God. Adoration chapels in of themselves have grown exponentially. We were playing around with the numbers recently. If you go to the um, app. There's an app for finding adoration chapels. Oh, if you go back the last oh. seven, ten years, there are just thousands more adoration chapels just in the United States alone. So that's certainly exciting. And why do we speak to adoration? Well, what were we just talking about, Debbie? This living relationship with Jesus Christ. We become one with Jesus Christ in the Corpus Christi, in the body of Christ. And in adoration, we have been given an opportunity to continue to nurture that beautiful relationship that God desires. It's to remember that the word uh, in the Latin literally means mouth to mouth. This is a very intimate devotion. You know, it's such a gift to be able to spend time with God and the God of history, Debbie, who has come down to us in this profound gift, yes, but let us never forget a profound gift of humility Mm. (laughs) to contemplate our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is really to contemplate the essence of humility, because God could have it any way He wants it. Yeah, sure. But in humility, we truly learn the language of love. Well, it just came to me. Um, when you were explaining adoration, maybe it's the medical part of me. I thought adoration is like CPR for our lives. Mm. Mm. Isn't yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. Well, you feeling yourself lagging a little bit? Go to adoration. Mm. Get a little mouth to mouth. Well, it's to remember when God breathed life into Adam. The Hebrew is it's a it's a, a term that evokes a, a muzzle. You know, this very intimate language. And remember, 
the Greek word for spirit, uh, pneuma, right. lung, right, breath. Breath. So mm-hmm. this CPR, I think, is a nice image. That's how uh, I'm going to remember yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because this is really what it's about in the end. It's being about that close yeah. to Jesus Christ and really learning the language of love, mm-hmm. which remember now is also, of course, the language of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the love shared between the Father and the Son. So it is to really uh, abide in the Holy Spirit at the same time. And among so many of the roles that the Holy Spirit has in our life stands the role to draw us deeper into friendship with Jesus Christ. And uh, for this, we are eternally, eternally grateful. Okay, with that, Debbie, before we get too far into this without reading the gospel, (laughs) let us jump into the gospel again for all of you out there. This is Mark chapter 14, and what are our exact verses here? Uh, 12 through 16 and 22 through 26. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So now, Debbie, these first few verses are very important that you read for us because it really does give us the context from which Christ is speaking. And by that, I mean from what Christ is fulfilling. Remember what the Passover is, right? Passover was that yearly Jewish feast celebrating Israel's deliverance from Egyptian slavery. And as Exodus 12 and 14 remind us, Paschal lambs were offered in the temple courts as a means to enter into covenant relationship with God. So Passover was the way in which the nation of Israel entered into covenant communion with God. The sacrificial lamb was always the hallmark of that covenant-making relationship with God. Now, that being said, here we are in Mark 14, and essentially Jesus is saying, I am the new lamb, and I have come as the, the one and definitive Passover sacrifice. And then he begins to use these all important words that this is the blood of the New Testament. I mean, to think about what he just said, this is the blood of the New Covenant. You will no longer have to do what you did all those years. That was all symbolism. 
that would certainly foreshadow something great. Well, that great is now、uh, behold before you. We move from symbol to reality. We move from essentially what was just external, right, to what is now a deeper internal reality. And this is the message that comes to us. This is the blood of the new covenant, the New Testament. Remember, this is so important for all of us Christians and Catholics, Debbie, that these verses here in Mark fourteen twenty four actually are translated in the Greek. This is the blood of the new covenant. The word testament that we get two hundred and fifty years later comes from the word covenant.、Mm-hmm. So we say Old Testament, New Testament. Really, it's Old Covenant, New Covenant. Jesus Christ is saying there explicitly in Mark fourteen twenty four that this is the blood of the New Testament. You see that my my、uh, sacrifice on the cross is inseparable from the sacrament that I am establishing and instituting right now. If the Mass was just another meal, then Christ's death was just another execution. And we know that not to be the truth. <laughs> and Debbie, what else does this highlight? <laughs> we so often get the question: Where is the New Testament in the Mass? The Mass is the New Testament. Why? Because Jesus just said so. This is the blood of the New Testament. The Mass is the New Testament. For the first two hundred and two hundred fifty years of the Church, this is how it was understood. Such a gift. So Jesus says, "This is my body." He's holding the bread, and he says, "This is my body." And it takes great faith to believe this. I mean, I, there's people out there going, "You Catholics, I, you know, I, you know,、mm-hmm. either we believe what the Savior says, He's Almighty, or we don't believe that. Do we believe that He, with His Word, can calm the sea? Do we believe with His Word that He can call out and resurrect Lazarus?" After three days in a tomb, do we believe that he can say, "Get up, take your mat, and walk"? Do we believe? Why is it easy to believe those words,、mm. those miracles? Why is it so hard for us to believe this one, when this is the the CPR of life? Mm-hmm. Th- mm-hmm. This is this is the sacrament he came to establish. This is the covenant he came to make with us. I wish we had time to go into all of it, folks. I just I wish we did. It's incredibly beautiful,、yeah. and do some research on your own. Look at the、uh, Passover, look at the Last Supper, look at those things.、Mm-hmm. Look at His words; they mean so much. Look at John six. Read John six. Yeah, John is quite strategic in his、Boy. gospel, Debbie. If you were to go into the Book of Exodus. Specifically, Exodus twelve and、uh, John nineteen,、yes. you find a most fascinating study where、uh, Christ is clearly, clearly, clearly the new Lamb of God,、yes. and and this is also caught up in the book Revelation, Revelation nineteen seven. Uh, where we have that great verse, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We have devoted other programs to that, but as、yes. you highlight that, it really is so important to for all of our listeners out there,、yes. Christian and Catholic, to just、yes. get back into、uh, those great studies where our faith come to life.、Uh, so important, Debbie. You mentioned something that's really important as it relates to comparing faith and the Eucharist, which for so many of us it's so hard.、Um, but we do have to kind of. Check ourselves a little bit. We 
We profess a faith in all of these things that took place in the gospel, and yet we don't believe this. Remember what Paul says about the resurrection. Without the resurrection, our faith is in vain. Think about that. Think about the resurrection itself. I mean, are you kidding me? And so certainly uh, the Eucharist examining John 6 in the Greek, it's all very important. But there's something else here, Debbie, Mm -hmm. that uh, I would be remiss uh, if we did not get into, and that's the passage that comes to us in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, and we'll start with verse 23. Now, it's interesting to note here, in Paul's first letter to the church of Corinth, he does something that he doesn't do anywhere else in all of his epistles. That is, he directly quotes Christ. And I'll just read this and listen to these words closely. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the chalice after supper saying, this chalice is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the chalice, you proclaim the death, the Lord's death, until he comes. So here Paul is talking about the, the importance of, Debbie, our sharing in the death of Christ, our sharing in the Eucharist, how we were called to die to self. And this kind of dying, sharing, conforming becomes a witness, mm-hmm. right? We must lead in this way. Okay, important. I want to get to the next verse because I think these, these verses just really uh, go overlooked far too often. This is Paul speaking to the church of Corinth, who, Debbie, what were we saying about becoming complacent? Already, already, <laughs> within the first 30 years, they have become complacent. He says, whoever there, amen, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in any unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, The body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. Listen to verse 30. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Mm. I mean, listen to those words from Paul. So we have this need to self-examine before communion, to discern, Mm. to ponder. Mm. Once again, um, what's going on here, Debbie? We can only receive God as God. Yeah. <laughs> so many of us today want to domesticate God. No, we we receive his holiness. We receive his majesty. We receive his essence. This is his promise. Mm-hmm. Right? We can try to finagle his words, manipulate his words. But what are we doing? He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And I come to you, pouring myself out. Receive me, not as you think I am, but as I am. And make sure that, as Paul reminds us, you discern not what you're receiving, but who you're receiving. Because when you discern that, then, then you'll understand what holiness is about. Then you'll understand what humility was all about. We were talking beforehand, Debbie, in the early church assemblies, 
they used to have these cries right before you went up to communion. And they would be something of the like, if you have prepared yourself, come forth. If you have not, repent and stay back. A profound sense of what Paul was just talking about, right? Once again, you cannot separate uh, your life and how you live with who you receive. As, a, as you were reading that, my brothers and sisters, if this is just a symbol, why mm. are people getting sick? Mm. Why are they dying? Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's just a symbol, if it's just a piece of bread, if it's just wine, I mean, unless your bread is moldy gross, mm-hmm. you might get sick. I doubt you'd die from it. That's not what we're talking about. Mm-mm. Ponder that. If you're struggling with the Eucharist, ponder Paul's words. Please write it down. First Corinthians 11, read it. Why would they be getting ill? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would they be dying? If this is just a symbol, if it's just um, something we're remembering, but it isn't in reality. Well, turn to John 6. Uh, you had brought it up earlier, Debbie. You go through John 6, and maybe one of the most striking things after his own discourse is how the disciples respond. Remember, this is a band of men who watched his miracles, and as you were discussing, Debbie saw all of the great things he did, and then suddenly you get to verse 60, uh, verse 61, and what do we read? Many of his disciples, when they heard it, said mm-hmm. that it was too much for this the apostles. This is hard. Yes. This is hard. This, this teaching's this, hard. This is a hard saying. Yes. This is a hard saying, and so certainly uh, if there was any question into whether or not this was a symbol or not, all you have to do is really read those verses. And it really is important to highlight because it's so easy to slip into that mode again. Complacency sets in when we think we have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. Complacency sets in when we have found that rhythm in life where we think we have found our joy, where we think we have found our peace. As one priest once said, um, if you think you've become something, ultimately you are nothing. And so going back to the complacere, you know, to be pleased with oneself, that is a very dangerous place to be. And we get out of that space by doing what? Well, by challenging ourselves, by going deeper, mm-hmm. by asking new questions, because behind every new question is a new beginning. And so if we insert ourselves into that great truth, uh, especially as it relates to this great feast day, we will find something beautiful on the other side of it. I'm looking up at the clock, Debbie, and we are out of time. I don't know mm-hmm. if you had any uh, closing thoughts. In the Eucharist, it is not uh, Jesus only that enters us. We enter him. Mm. He invites us into him. Yes. Yes, the he and me, I and him, the I am yours and you are mine, that great covenant truth. I wanted to close with a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. There's a thought out there that there's a whole set of volumes that St. Francis of Assisi wrote, and really that's untrue. There's very, very little that he actually wrote. In fact, the canticle that is so often tied to him, he never wrote. It was, it was recorded by a brother, uh, but he did write this, one of the few pieces he did write. He had a great devotion to the Eucharist, of course. Mm-hmm. He wrote this, Let humanity fear. Let the entire universe tremble. And let the heavens exult when on the altar in the hands of the priest, 
is Christ, Son of the living God. Oh, admirable rapture and amazing designation. Oh, sublime humility. Oh, humble sublimity. That the Lord of the universe, God and Son of God, so humbles himself as to hide under the small appearance of bread. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.